Uh, hey, we have uh, Eric Lee speaking. I'm super excited about that. Um, I, will, I get to talk about him next week, but for now, Kurt um, sent a, uh, a little video, so we're going to see that. And then you'll be up. Well, hi there. I was, well, hi there. I was not planning on doing any video introductions this year for the people that were speaking when we were gone on our annual trip for family and all that. And thank you so much for allowing us to do this. It, it really is important and means a lot and more and more so as time goes on. Uh, but bottom line, I was not planning on doing any video introductions for all sorts of different reasons. Um, but something happened. And what happened was, is that when I was praying about who to have preach when I was gone, I really felt like the Lord said, have Eric Lee preach twice. Now, I knew when he said that, that that had to do with something that's going on. And that is that God is doing something with the elders at Lake Sam. Traditionally, it's been Roger Maddox and John Yalkowski, and they've been our, our elders, so to speak. There's been other people that have been there too, but it just really felt to me recently, and I've been mentioning it in various places where we're sort of doing this very carefully and prayerfully, thoughtfully, um, but that God has been, God has been mantling some additional people to elder this church. And Eric Lee is very definitely one of those people, and I've been saying that. And so what happened was, is that I felt like the Lord said to me, have him speak as an elder, and have him do two things, and have him elder the church while he's doing those two things. So that's what I had in my heart, that's why I asked him. Then I heard what he wanted to do. And I have to tell you, I, my, my first reaction was, that's exactly why I felt like the Lord wanted you to do this, because what you're doing is very much an elder thing. But then I also told him, but man, this is a high wire act. I mean, you're really putting yourself out there. You're really, you're really doing something that is incredible, needs to be done, absolutely the right thing to be done, but hope it goes well. Well, I just got off the preach call. I just got off the time where we talked about what he was gonna do and so on. And I gotta tell you guys, we are in such good hands. And by that, I mean the Lord. But it is the Lord through people. And I cannot wait for you to experience what I just did, as God did what he does through his people, through his elders. I, I am just so bold over by God's care for us. And now he's gonna bring us into a very special, important moment in this church's life and history. So I'm very excited for you to experience it. Can't wait for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, bless this time and make it everything you want it to be. In Jesus' name, love you so much. Be back in just a bit, God bless you. Wow, that's quite the introduction. Mm. I'm going to adjust my stage just a little bit. Hi. <laughs> yeah. It was quite the, quite the setup. So yeah, it's like, uh, how do you follow that? Um, so I feel a little more comfortable up here. This is fifth time, I think, that I've been up here, fourth or fifth, I lost track. But, you know, it's it's not my first time anymore, so um, I feel a little less panic, which is great. Uh, but this message today is a little different for two reasons. The first is what Kurt mentioned, that he asked me to preach two weeks in a row, which is a whole new thing, because now it's it's not just I have to come up with one idea, one message from God, but there's actually two. Uh, and honestly, I don't know what the second one is going to be. I have no idea. Um, it will probably depend on the outcome of this sermon, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the second reason why this is a little different is, um, well, just as I just alluded to, I uh, did not have something in mind. Uh, in the past, I've come to Kurt and said, I have something that I feel God is giving to me, and I would like to preach. And then he would put me on the schedule, and that was all fine. But this time, he just came to me out of the blue and said, I'm going to be gone, and I would like you to preach. So now you have to go figure out what God is trying to say to all of us. Which, uh, I know he does that every week. 
but uh, that's because Kurt is amazing, and let me tell you, it's, 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 it's a challenge. So what I want to share with you guys this week is actually the story of how I discovered what God wanted to say to us this week. And it's, uh, it's actually, it turns out what God wanted to say was actually the story. And so it's kind of, you know, self-referential sort of thing. But uh, I'm excited, and I think it's going to work out really well. So I want to talk about stories. Um, in some of my previous sermons, I was very fact-oriented and talking a lot about science and, and things like that. And, but today we're going to do something a little different. So you can kind of relax. It's not going to be too hard on your brain. We're going to talk about stories. Okay, Stories are powerful things. If someone has a great personal story that they are telling you, you can be transported into that story and just be lost in time. You can sit there for hours just listening and I hope that maybe you'll find my stories interesting this morning. I hope that it won't be ours. We'll see. Um, but even more important, even more powerful than a personal story that someone is sharing with you is a collective story that we own together. If a group of people uh, has a history and they can look at each other and go, yeah, you remember when? And wow, that was an amazing time. And, and it was really incredible what God did at that, at that point. Uh, that shared story can pull a group together and give it a shared identity, give the group a shared purpose. And when you have those things, then a group becomes more than just a group of people. It becomes a community. And a community that has a shared narrative, a shared story, uh, can stay healthy and can last for a long time and can do amazing and powerful things. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is the story that we all have together as a church. So this morning, I believe that John Y is going to pray for us, which is fantastic. Thank you. So Father, I just thank you that you have brought Lake Sam together as a body and, Lord, even that this story that we are living together um, is part of what you want us to appreciate and to capture. And so, Lord, I thank you that you've given um, Eric the words. You've given him the thought, the, the image. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just flow through his uh, mind this morning and that, that you would be what you want to communicate to us as a body um, and that we would be edified, built up, and, Lord, we would be um, used by you uh, going forward as a result of this time. And we're going to give you all the praise. So just anoint Eric today mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Sounds great. So I did not pick John to pray, but that was actually a really great choice because uh, John was actually the very first person that I really met when I came to Lake Sam before Kurt and Julia were here. And that itself is an amazing story, which I would love to tell, but it doesn't fit. And because I know you guys don't actually want to be here till 2 o'clock. Uh, but John, thank you. You were the first person who made a connection with me when I came here. Okay, so you guys are uh, a captive audience this morning. So the first thing I'm going to do with you is I'm going to show you some vacation pictures. Oh, uh, yeah, because everybody likes vacation pictures, right? So I hope you guys all got coffee. Okay. So last month, uh, I went on my annual Pacific Crest Trail section hike. So, yeah, that's right. For anyone who uh, has not hung out with me before, then you might not know what this uh, is all about. So the Pacific Crest Trail runs from Mexico to Canada. It is 2,650 miles long runs through all three of the western states, California, Oregon, and Washington. And I started hiking sections of this trail 15 years ago. Uh, started here in Washington. And uh, loved it so much that I kept doing it year over year. And I thought at first that it was going to take me forever, that the trail was, was practically infinite. But as I kept doing this and just adding, you know, 100 miles here, 100 miles there, year over year, it started to add up. 
And uh, when I went out this year, I finished my section hike. I ended with 2,002 lifetime miles on the Pacific Crest Trail, which I think I'm pretty proud about. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened to me this year. So I started in the Mojave Desert uh, down in Southern California. And this is, this is what it looked like. There was a lot of sand. A lot of sagebrush, uh, Joshua trees, which are kind of fascinating, but uh, they get a little old after a while. Um, and there wasn't, there wasn't much else other than that. Uh, there was not a lot of water. There was, uh, it was often 15 or 20 miles between water sources, and actually the longest haul between water sources was, was 42 miles. And that took me uh, close to two days uh, to get through. And in the middle of that 42-mile stretch, uh, it, it was so hot in the middle of the day that it was well over 100 degrees in the desert. And the only thing we could do is crawl under the shade of a scrawny little pine tree and just wait out the day. Uh, there were a couple of other hikers that I had never met before. They were perfect strangers. But we huddled together uh, in the shade and we uh, napped together and ate and chatted and got to be good friends. Uh, by the end of the day. It doesn't take long when you're out there. So uh, the desert, yeah, it's not my favorite. It's, uh, you know, it's a good place to visit, but wouldn't want to live there. Um, there is beauty in the desert, um, but mostly in sunrise and sunset when you can't actually see the desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's better. It's better that way. When you could just see the sky, then it is incredible and gorgeous, and I really enjoyed it. So as I was on my hike, I was thinking, okay, God, I need something to share in my sermons, particularly the first one. What is that? And I was really hoping that, you know, I have two weeks to hike myself, and God is going to just really talk to me. And so I was standing, enjoying this amazing sunset, and I thought, okay, this is the moment, God. You can just... You can download to me, and there was nothing. Yeah, so kept walking. Okay, so I got out of the desert, uh, made it to a little place called Kennedy Meadows, uh, which is just a general store, tiny little thing in the middle of nowhere. But it's kind of the, the dividing line between the desert and uh, the High Sierra, which is an amazing mountain range down in California. If, if you haven't been there, I highly recommend but as the hikers walk up to Kennedy Meadows General Store, everyone who is already there, they stand up and they clap and they cheer you in as you walk because you've survived the desert. And how amazing is that, right? It's really a lot of fun. Um, and people pick up a resupply box here and they get extra gear that they're going to need for the mountains. And most people take a rest day. So uh, everybody uh, gathers together in a group. There's, you know, there's probably, I don't know, 50, 60 hikers there when I was there, and I spent uh, a day just hanging out with these people and getting to know them. And these people have almost nothing in common. They're from all walks of life. But when we're out there, we're a trail family because we have something that unites us. We have a shared story together. We're hiking the trail, and so we can look at each other and say, oh, man, you know, that 42-mile water stretch, how did that go for you? When did you start? How much water did you carry? And, oh, you know, I, I saw the rattlesnakes, and that was amazing. And you know, so we can, we can come together and be friends and be bonded because we have something to bond around. Okay, so I went from Kennedy Meadows up into the High Sierra Mountains, which was incredible. Just breathtaking beauty wherever you turn. It's amazing. Um, I had the opportunity to take a side trip up to Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the uh, continental United States. It's 4,505 feet high, which is 100 feet higher than Mount Rainier. Uh, and I made it up there at sunrise. I started hiking at 12.30 in the morning from my base camp so that I could get up there before the sun rose and I could enjoy the sun as it was coming up uh, and sitting on the, the highest point of the United States. Whoops, let's get too fast. Um, okay, so <clears throat> Whitney was amazing. Let's go back. There we go. Um, 
And again, I was sitting up there watching the sunrise and thinking, okay, God, now you can download to me, right? And he didn't. Yeah. It was really cold. Uh, it was, I was wearing every stitch of clothing that I owned and was just barely staying warm up there. My, my poor cell phone died after 10 minutes. I had just charged it up with a battery pack the night before so that I would have plenty of, of uh, power for taking pictures and things up there. And, and it was so cold that the phone just said, nope, shutting down. <laughs> so I had to shove it under my, under my jacket and you know, warm it up, try to resuscitate it so that I could continue to p take pictures for the rest of the day. Okay, so got down off of Mount Whitney and kept going. In the last full day of my trip, uh, I got to a place called Forester Pass. Now, Forester Pass is not the uh, highest point in the United States, but it is the high point on the Pacific Crest Trail itself, and it is at 13,200 feet, which is still pretty darn high. So you walk up this little mountain valley, and there's snow on the ground, I mean, no trees, no vegetation anywhere because it's just too high. And you get up there, and the trail seems to be heading right for this rock wall. And you're thinking, I thought there was supposed to be a pass here somewhere. And uh, you kind of scratch your head, and then you realize at some point it sinks in. Oh, that's the pass. <laughs> okay, that's where we're going. And just to put a little uh, scale on this, you, you might not be able to see, but there are actually two people climbing up that snowfield right there, okay? This is, this is a really big wall. When you get up uh, close to the top of the pass, this is the snow chute that is at the top of Forester. This is the most notorious uh, little section of trail, I think, on the, on the whole PCT. Uh, people worry about this for months ahead of time. But, you know, when I got there, it wasn't that bad because uh, to cross this, you could see that there were lots and lots of people who had walked there ahead of me. So the, there was a well-beaten uh, track into the snow. And, I mean, I had crampons and an ice axe, and I had the appropriate gear, but I was able to make it across just fine because there were other people who had done it, and they had left a trail for me to So. I lived, made it to the top of the pass, took the traditional photo at the top of Forrester. I think every PCT hiker has this photo. And it was, uh, it was so worth the climb because at the top, this was the view from the other side. It just kept going. The beauty is, I, I run out of adjectives, right? It almost physically hurts because you just look around and you go, ah, oh, it is so... Beautiful, God, just just stop. I am overwhelmed. This is blowing my brain. I can't handle it anymore. I need to go back to the desert for a minute. Okay. So anyway, so so this is this was my hike. And it was uh, spectacular. It was I think the high point of all of my fifteen years so far. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and as I said, I was still waiting for God to tell me what to you guys. And he did, actually, but it was not in the moment that I was expecting. I was expecting it to be in, you know, a glorious sunset or maybe a spectacular view from the top of a mountain. But actually, what happened was this. Um, those, <laughs> it's a pair of which are frozen solid, okay? I had used them to ford a river the previous night, and I wrung them out really well, but they froze overnight because it was so cold. Uh, this, was the, this was the morning of my last full day when I was getting ready to climb Forrester, and, and I was anticipating that it was going to be a really difficult journey. It was super cold. As I was packing up, my fingers were so cold that, you know, they would barely work, and I picked up my socks, and I'm like, eh, they're, you know, clunk, clunk, clunk. That's, wow. Okay? And it was at that point that I went, why am I doing this? <laughs> I mean, sure amazing, but I could be home in a warm bed, and instead I'm out here freezing my butt off, and it, at that moment, God said, okay, now you're ready to listen to what I have to say. And he started talking to me about journeys. He said, you know, you're on a journey. 
As a long-distance hiker, your journey spans days or weeks. And you get up and you do this every day because, well, for long-distance hikers, it's hard to describe why we do it. I mean, if you have to seriously ask why, you might not really understand the answer, but it is about the things that you experience every day. It is about the freedom of simplicity and just the, the drive to just keep going, to do the next thing, experience the next thing, whether that is amazing or whether it's terrible. But there are other people on the trail that help you. We walk it together. Now, we walk actually alone. I mean, I'm the only one who can walk, right? I have to be out there. I have to get the blisters. I have to, you know, get so cold that my fingers don't work. But I'm not there completely alone. There are people who can look at me and say, I know you're having a really bad day, but remember when it was amazing last week? And I can say, oh, yeah, okay. And I can come up to a section of trail that's really scary, but I could see, oh, people have already walked here and they've left a trail for me to follow. And God said, Lake Sam is on a journey as well. We are on a journey together. And in some sense, we our journey alone. I mean, we have to walk the steps, right? We've got to be there, but we don't walk alone. If you look around the room, look at each other, we walk together. We are on a journey. And so when we have hard times, we lift each other up. We forget why we're doing this. We remind each other. And when we look at something ahead of us and go, I don't know if I can do this. It's too hard. Someone else can come alongside of you and say, I know. I know it's hard. But you know what? I've done it. I've already been there. And I know the way. And I can help you walk through it. So that's the first thing that God showed me. But it didn't stop there. Because he brought another story to my mind. Now this story uh, is a story of my son, Josiah. Uh, he goes to uh, Wilderness Awareness School out in Duval, uh, one day a week. And he's, he's attended here for many years. Now the school is, it, it's, a, it's a nature, an outdoor school, and they do youth programs and adult programs. It's, it's really uh, an amazing group of people. Uh, and this was actually his last year in the youth program that he was in. So there is an optional thing that students can choose to do as both a graduation ceremony and also as a coming of age ceremony. And Caleb did this too a few years ago, but uh, Josiah did it just the day I left on my hike. And so it was still fresh in my mind. So I want to tell you the story of, of how this worked. Um, we. Tamara and myself and Josiah, we went out uh, Thursday afternoon to a place where we were gathering at a park in Duval. And the, the leaders, the staff of the school, uh, talked to us a little bit about coming of age, the process of moving from a child to an adult, and how important that is. And they had Tamara and me stand either side of Josiah, and we put our feet and our hands together with him, and then a leader came around and they tied our wrists and our ankles together with string. And then they had us walk to another location, uh, which was like some kind of three de uh, demented three-legged sack race, but it was actually a, you know, a five-legged sack race, which was really challenging. It was awkward. It was hard. I think we actually broke one of the strings at one point because we were pulling in different directions, and they had to come back and you know, tie it back together for us so we weren't cheating. But when we, when we got to the place that we were going, they said, these strings that tie you together, they represent the bonds of the, you know, the parent-child relationship. You have been bonded, tied together with your child as you've raised him. But they're getting a little awkward because he's on that brink, that transition between child and young adult. 
And so now it is time to let him go. And Josiah drew his sheath knife and he cut the strings that were tying us to him. And then he and the other clustered and walked away without looking back. And Tamar and I were left there alone. So then we went home. And we had the strings on our wrists and our ankles to remind us of him, to remind us to think about him, and him up in our hearts. But what Josiah was doing, he and the other questers, is they went out into the woods and they started their own personal campfires, each one of them, um, using, with a bow drill, like literally rubbing sticks together, okay? This is, this is what they taught my son to do. It's pretty amazing. But they lit fires and then they tended those fires all night long and stayed awake all night, more or less. Uh, Tamara and I had left some letters for this, this, the leaders to hand to him in the early morning hours, letters written by me and her and other important people in Josiah's life. And then the next morning we drove out to the, the land where the school is, and we all got together in this uh, little hut that was smaller than the stage here, I'm pretty sure. Um, and there were over a hundred people crammed into this hut. And so there were, there was 14 clusters, so it was the parents of the clusters, and then the rest of the people were uh, staff and elders and adult students in the school. So the community of the school, and they were all there to witness the culmination of this ceremony. And we were packed in super tight. I mean, literally, we were you know, jammed up against each other. There was no possible way that you could avoid just you know, kind of sprawling on other people. Um, and then we started to sing. And we didn't have any instruments. There was a little hand drum. But other than that, it was just a cappella singing. And we were singing in the clusters from the woods. And as we started to sing, it was, it was kind of quiet at first. But as the clusters came up the path, we could see them coming. We sang louder and with more energy. And they entered the hut, and they came around uh, and circled the campfire that was in the middle of the hut. We had reserved spaces for them. And it was like the, the, the audience, the community's voice just swelled to a roar. The forest was just echoing with the joy and the energy and the passion of people saying, welcome back. Welcome back to these people who are no longer children, but now you are young adults. So the clusters went around the circle, and first they, they took turns sharing a, just a little bit about how their night had gone, you know, whether it was the fire got started really easy or whether they struggled, just some little vignette about what had happened to them during the night. And then they went around the circle again, and they shared something deeper. What did the experience mean to them? And we got to listen to that. And then we went around the circle a third time, and that time each cluster and his or her parents, in turn, stood up, and they turned to each other, and they spoke words to each other. And for some people, they were words of love and affirmation, and for some people, it was words of uh, confession and saying, I am sorry that I have not been the child or not been the parent that I should have been. Words of commitment. We're going build a new relationship together, and I'm going to change things. And all of the community was listening to this. This was done in a public setting. And most of these people were um, strangers to each other. It's not like they had close, intimate bonds with all the, you know, I really didn't know anybody. But I got to stand up, and I got to speak words to my son in front of witnesses. And the entire community was so invested in this process that, as they say, there was not a dry eye in the house. In this case, it was almost literal. Sometimes it was hard to hear what was being said because there were so many people sniffling around me. 
It was just people were weeping openly at the, uh, the, the intimacy that was being shared in a public setting. So this was a moment, capital M, moment. And it would have been easy for people to say, well, I don't know anyone here, and so I'm not going to fully enter into this moment. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to you know, say nice platitudes to my child or to my parent. Uh, or I'm just going to listen with my arms crossed and, and not really feel, not really embrace what is being said. But people didn't do that. They fully entered in. And I was wondering, why is that? And then God said, it's because that community knows what they're about. Wilderness Awareness School is about two things, making a connection with nature and making a connection with each other, with community. They specifically focus on community. So people know that that's what, the, what that group is about. And so when they come there, they come with that expectation. This is, this is what we do. Even if this is my first time, even if I don't really know these people, I know I'm here to build connection with community. So, then, so remember that all of this is playing through my head as I'm freezing to death in the middle of the High Sierra, okay? But I was thinking about this experience that made such a powerful impact on me. And God said, I give moments, with a capital M, moments to Lake Sam, too. And you as a community, as a church, can choose whether to enter into those moments or not. And they don't happen all the time, but they happen when I give them to you. And your choice then is to either sit there with arms folded going, uh, I'm not sure I really want to put myself out there that way. Or you can greet it with arms open wide and say, yeah, I am all in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go where God has taken us, and I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be intimate with people that maybe I don't even know. Because I know that this is our church body. This is our family, and this is what we're about, and this is what we do. Okay, then God said, there's a third thing that I want you to talk about, a story that I want you to tell. And that third story is actually not my story, it's Lyle Hall's story. Remember when he was here, he and his family, uh, they're missionaries in Alaska. And uh, they stayed at our house uh, for, I don't know, over a month, I think, while they were here. But I got to talk to him a lot, which was fantastic. But Lyle told me a story about his work with the Maasai. Uh, he had been with them uh, before he came home. Talking with some of the Maasai elders, and the Maasai people are facing a huge crisis right now because the change is coming on their people, and they can't avoid it. There's no way to avoid the change that they have to deal with. The only thing they can do is get out ahead of it and plan for it and decide where, how they want to react to it. So the elders came to Lyle and said, we want to build a new system of government for our tribes, and we want you to help us design it. And Lyle's like, whoa, hey, I'm no Benjamin Franklin, right? Because <laughs> that's basically what they're asking him to be. Uh, but he thought about it for a little while and then said, okay, um, if you're serious about this, if you really want me to help you with this, there's a, something we have to do first. We have to figure out what your purpose is as a people. And the Messiah elders looked at him and said, well, we're not really sure what you mean by that. What do you mean, what's our purpose? And Lyle said, okay, um, let's try it this way. What is the purpose of a cow? And for those of you who don't know, cows in the Maasai culture are super important. They are money, they are food, they are social status. Uh, the, the, everything revolves around cows in the Maasai culture. So he said, what is the purpose of a cow? Why did God make a cow? And the Messiah elders said, oh, well, that's easy. You know, a cow is for this and that and the other thing. And, they, you know, they could talk excitedly about it for a long time. 
And Lyle said, okay, great. So now what, what is the purpose of the Messiah? Why did God make the Messiah? And the elders said, oh, we understand now. That's, wow, that's a really hard question. That's a really good question. That's a question that we can't answer right now. It's going to take us like three months to figure that out. And Lyle said, well, that's good because I'm leaving. <laughs> so actually, you have like a whole year. So good luck. I'll see you later. When I come back, hopefully you will know what your purpose is, and then we'll know where to go next. Um, so I don't know the answer or the, the end of this story. That's, that's where it stopped. And Lyle is uh, going to live the end of that story here pretty soon, and I'm excited to see what happens. But God said, think about purpose. He said, what is the purpose of Lake Sam? Why did I create Lake Sam as a church body? Why do you exist? Why did I put my spirit in you? And I thought, wow, that's a really good question. That's a really hard question. And we have controlling scripture that's been with us for a really long time now. This is basically John 17, rephrased. One with God and one another that the world may know. Now, this is our purpose. This has been our purpose for a long time. And if you've been here for very long at all, you know this. But this phrase right here, as great as it is, and I love it, it, it uh, it's kind of like a, a black outline in a coloring book. You open up the book, and it's just a bunch of, of black and white. And I think what it needs is some color, some crayons to fill in to make it a little more organic, to make it personal. And the way we would have colored in that picture of our purpose 15 years ago or 10 or five years ago is not the way we would color it in today because our church body is constantly growing and changing. We have people that join us. We have people that uh, God takes elsewhere. And those of us who remain are older and hopefully wiser. Uh, so what is our purpose today? It's not enough to just skate by on what we thought our purpose was a while ago. We need to constantly be really reevaluating. Okay, so then finally God said, um, I want Lake Sam to have a conversation. I want Lake Sam to have a conversation about the journey that you're on. And the moments that I bring to you, that I'm asking you to enter into, and I want you to talk about your purpose. What is the purpose of Lake Sam? So, at this point, I'm going to actually have a conversation with all of you guys, because it's not something that I can tell you. I can't tell you what our purpose is. It's, it's not possible or useful. We get to discover what our purpose is together because this is a shared story. This is not my personal story. This is our shared story together, our identity, our purpose. So some of the things that I would like to talk about, and these are um, prompts to help you get started thinking about this, what you might want to share with our family this morning. You know, things like, why did God bring you to Lake Sam? What was, what was his reason for doing so? Um, the community help you in the journey that you're on? What makes it possible for you to enter into those God-given moments? What, what gets you over that hump from going, eh, to, okay, I'm going to do this? Um, why did God make Lake Sam? What's our purpose? Is God speaking something to you that you could share with others and that we can all go, oh, yeah, that's it. That's why God made us. And then maybe what keeps you going, what keeps you here when things get tough? Because things do get tough. Okay? Um, there are some ground rules that I want to set for our conversation. Um, first, I would like people to focus on who we are, not what you wish we were. Okay? There, there's, uh, there's an appropriate time to say, 
these are our weaknesses and we need to fix them. We need to do better at X, Y, or Z. But that is not this this morning, okay? I, this morning I wanna talk about what we do do well. I wanna talk about the shared story that we already have and that we can remind each other of. Uh, secondly, we do need to keep it brief. Um, when, we're ta- when we're sharing stories, when we're sharing a testimony, you know, this is what God did, it is so hard to cut it down to just a few minutes. I'm already going well over the time that I had budgeted for my part of this message. Uh, so I know how hard it is, but I would like to get through a bunch of people, so really you need to, to just pick out a short point that's just a couple of minutes uh, and share that. And uh, all of the complicated backstory, um, you know, maybe that can be held and shared with, uh, with people afterwards. Go to lunch with someone and unfold, unpack that, get into the details there. Uh, and then lastly, as Kurt says all the time, uh, if you do not often speak in group settings like this, we especially want to hear from you because we want to hear from all of the voices in the room. Uh, this is perhaps one of those moments that we can enter into. So if, if you really think that God has something for you, I'd like you to, uh, to embrace that and stand up and speak. Okay, so I'm going to put the, the prompts back on the screen, and I'm going to open it up now for, uh, for a conversation. What is it that God is doing in us? So I have a couple of people with mics. Uh, do need you to wait for the mic so that folks who are watching online can hear you and we can uh, share that with others as well. And I'm totally comfortable with silence, so I'll just, you know. Well, for me, Lake Sam has been a safe haven. Mm. When I needed um, support, um, people within this church have, been, have mentored my children and their amazing kids today because of the investment that these people have poured into mm. our lives. And that's what this church has been to me, and I'm still um, amazed and blessed um, that that continues on in our lives. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, and I completely agree with that. My own children are who they are because of this church body. Next, got my daughter. Hello, haha. Um, so, uh, as a youth, this church has been like a place that I have grown up in. This has been uh, my playground, basically. And as I'm getting older and starting to make Christianity my own faith and not just something that my parents tell me. Uh, It has been a safe haven and a a firm place where I can ask questions and explore without being put down or worrying that I might topple over the edge. Um, And I've also, uh, as I go to Overflow, the youth group, uh, it's been where I can meet uh, new people who come from different cultures, uh, even like just because I've been homeschooled, at, like uh, public schoolers and different pieces of different new ideas to learn about. Thank you. I kind of like her. <laughs> We've uh, been at Lake Sam for quite some time and even spent some time away and came back and if I, if I were to choose two words to say what Lake Sam is diverse and honest mm. uh, we, we come here and stay here because it's a place where you find people across race and income and all different aspects of life and impact and I love that mm. and it's honest because it's a place where the body is really doing it. It's not just a homogenous. When we were away, we went to different churches and they were homogenous. And I came back here in part personally because I love the fact that it's this body doing the work of the church yes. through honest and diverse ways. It challenges who I am. 
and that's one of the reasons why why I'm here. Yes. <coughs> Gary and I have been <coughs> here for a long time as well, and I think for me, um, what I like is that we do share this story. I like the longevity of it. I like that I have <coughs> friends here who, um, for instance, Eric and Tamara, who I've known since before they were married. Um, I like knowing that when I'm going through something difficult, not able to be here or whatever, that I have friends here who pray for me and reach out to me and that I always am part of this family and I um, really appreciate that. thinking about the, uh, the, the power of uh, longevity of and when, when you are new to a community I mean you're just you're new you, there's there's no way that you can fast forward and get to be an old timer but I got to tell you being an old timer is precious it's because now you can for those of us who have been here for a long time um, it just there, there is this sense of weight of peace of just this is who I am this is who we are and I think speaking to the old timers among us this morning our job is to embrace and enfold the people who have not been here as long uh, and I'm speaking to myself um, it is easy for us to just focus on the people that we already know well and to not continue to build a community um, and I'm excited that we actually do a good job of that we have a fight here dueling hands Who's gonna win? All right. Do you wanna win? <laughs> um, ooh, hello. Um, for us, me and Joel, we've been coming here. I'm not gonna stand up, otherwise I'm not just not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down. Um, so we've been coming here a long time, but uh, the first time was eight years ago. <sighs> um, I'm trying to keep this short and not cry. Um, we have, for those of you that don't know, we have two sets of twins. And with the first set, um, we lived in Bellevue, and it was very difficult for us. And when they were six months old was the first time when we came here. Um, I had postpartum depression. I didn't realize it back then. Um, and uh, I didn't want to go anywhere. That's not like me. I'm an extrovert. And, um, Joel emailed the church and said, "We hey, we live five minutes away from you guys. Uh, please pray for us. Didn't say that we're coming in. Didn't say anything at all. And so the next week we come into church, and of course, I don't want to get out of the car because I have postpartum depression, and every time that I do, people say, oh, are they twins? Oh, how blessed you are. Oh, how sweet. Oh, how, oh my gosh. No, it's not. You have no idea about my life. Um... <laughs> And I didn't know I'd have another set of twins, but anyway, that's another story altogether. Um, and uh, so the first thing, before I even step both feet out of the car, um, I meet Donna, and mm. as most of you know, she has twins. But she looks at me, she walks over to me, and she sort of puts her hand on my shoulders and says, you know, how are you doing? Mm. And she says, you know, are they twins? I'm like, oh, good Lord, here we go again. I didn't mm. know she had twins. But um, she said, are, are they twins? I said, yes, and ha, 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 how, how funny. Um, <laughs> and she sort of put her hand on my shoulder and said, how are you doing? That was the first time in the, you know, wow. that was before I'd even gotten out of the car. Yeah. And then we walked into church, and then we met Chris. She was standing outside the uh, church and uh, outside the sanctuary, and Joel introduced himself, and she said, oh, you must be Lorelei. And I said, what? How do you know this? And then she reached in her pocket and pulled out an information, you know, a little prayer for me with two people to call on it. And um, then uh, Cassandra, who worked here at the time for the children's ministry, she walked up, up to us and said, you must be Joel and Lorelai. I'm like, what? How do you know this? 
Um, anyway, so she, she took the liberty of looking us up on Facebook. <laughs> and um, just, she, you know, she, just so that you know, I'm, I'm here to you know, show you where the kids go and show you where everything is. You know, do you need a cup of coffee? We hadn't even been in here for like three minutes, and we'd already met so many people. And I'm mm. like, oh, my gosh, this church really, really, really loves us. Yes. And they don't even know us. <laughs> and so that is what I want to be mm. to people who come in here for the first time. Because that that was incredible. Wow. wow. So. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm Becca Joe, and I'm not an old timer here. Um, I've been coming here less than a year, um, but more than half a year. Woohoo! Um, I I've always uh, gone to the same church that my parents went to. Mm. Um, I recently got a promotion at work, moved here. Um, I'm from the east side, and um, it was my very first time. I, I'm over 30, and it's my very first time choosing a church, and I had no idea how to go about doing that, um, but I'm uh, slightly anal and organized, and so I made a list, and I determined <laughs> I was going to go to a church every weekend until I knew where I was supposed to be. And this was the second church that I came to, and I had to force myself to go to the other five churches on my list. Um, and as soon as I finished my list, I was back here because, um, like Eric said, this place, the people here just embrace and enfold mm. people who, would, who come here. Um, and it just, um, and not just that, the thing that struck me here was that first Sunday that I, I was here was how um, not just welcoming you are to other people, but how welcoming you are to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that, it was like mm. every thought, every dream I'd had of a church to attend on my own was answered that Sunday. Um, this is my home. Mm. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's about family. I mean, this church is, is messy, and that's how my family is. Right? <laughs> and uh, yep. and I, lo I love that. You know, we're, we're, are so relaxed compared to places I've been before. I mean, Ke Kevin's up there doing worship with no shoes on, and no one cares. <laughs> like, it's, it's great. Because the focus is relationship. It's not a set That's of expectations right. here. That's right. Wow. I think that, um, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, I think real life is done with real love here. And... Uh, Maureen and my story about getting here is one that I won't share, but it was just so great. But um, I've been so in, in leadership so long that, you know, pastors solve problems, mm. right? And I kind of look to leadership to, and it's funny, the number of things I've brought to Kurt, and he'll say, I don't know, I got an answer. <laughs> <laughs> and yet people like Eric and people like Roger and um, Bruce help me come through a situation and Kurt's there to support and so forth and so on but and he's my these guys help walk me through this and when Drew my son who had a tragic accident and is doing better I mean the people here were so supportive of him and that's why he got he's that's part of the reason he got through this mm. so real life is done with real love mm. and it is messy at times and that's okay too yeah. because that's the way families operate it's yeah. not always perfect it, it's just we're not. We're, we're imperfect people. That's mm. all right. Mm. You guys hear the theme? I think everybody who has spoken so far has said basically the same thing, which is really cool. It means we have a shared story. I was a little afraid that it would just be all over the map, you know, mentioning uh, completely different things. But, of course, God comes through. You guys come through. My family comes through. For me, thank you. We are a family, that we are here for each other. I think there are some churches who are kind of 
transactional, right? You come up, uh, you, you, you show up on a Sunday and you, you give your money, you receive a sermon, and you leave. And that's not who we are. We are about each other. And even if we lie, Kurt and Julie, and all the rest of the staff in this church, we would still be here. I mean, God forbid that that ever happens. But who we are is not defined by the business of Lake Sam. Who we are is defined by all of you guys. You know, um, when we first came, there were about 40 people here. And after a few weeks, I said to my husband, what are we doing here? I'm never going to fit in. This, you know, it's so tiny. Yeah. And he said to me, this is where God has us. This is where we need to be. Can you trust me in this? And I thought, mm. oh, okay. Well, needless to say, within a very few years, this was exactly what I needed. I went through the darkest days of my life. And this community held me up. They helped me walk one step at a time when I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. But the incredible thing, it wasn't just for that moment. They were there immediately when I need them, needed them. They have stuck with me. And I know to this day, if I have a need, you guys will be here. And that just provides a lot of comfort. And I think it speaks highly as to who you are. You lost your husband shortly after I lost my father. And whenever my mom visits, she makes a point of seeking you out because you guys share a story together for that. I'm not standing up either, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, for me... Hold the mic up, though. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, my parents have gone here for a really long time and we kept coming in and out and we lived really far away at first and so but every time we came here we felt like it was family and from the moment we first walked in the door we had people saying oh we've been praying for you and we didn't even know who they were so and knew my story before i even could share my story <laughs> so that was huge to me but also coming to this church when we finally made this decision to okay 45 minute trip it's worth it mm. um just learning how to be filled with the spirit and be okay with that and because at first it was really scary yep. and <laughs> I think that's like the biggest thing that I've learned that it's okay and to have mm. those mentors alongside of you saying it's okay and this is what this means and mm. helping you just on your journey like that absolutely thank you very much is it two o'clock yet um, <laughs> we're, uh, um, I'm, we're, we're gonna do uh, I'm gonna say three more and so I've got uh, this one here, I, I want to do Adam in the back, and then, yes. Okay. You know, you notice I'm not about anyone's names. That's because I am horrible with names, and I apologize. Uh, seriously, there's something up here that is wrong. <laughs> that I can look at someone, and it, it's not like I don't recognize you. I know exactly who you are, but I just, I work to pull out that first name, and I'm like, I can't find it. I don't know. I mature senility or something but anyway I love you all so go for I, it I have the same issue I'm <laughs> Hannah hi Hannah Hannah banana <laughs> Hannah banana from Montana <laughs> true it's, it's true I'm not you know multimillionaire like yeah the other <laughs> Hannah but um, okay so we came here because of the signs outside hmm. um, we thought they were kind of interesting and we're like hmm kind of felt like the church maybe actually had a personality we've tried a lot of churches in the past and probably not something I should admit we have actually run away from churches um, <laughs> when it was like hey stand and greet people we literally as soon as we got outside ran so nobody could stop us <laughs> um, and so we thought okay this looks like a great church we watched something online so we didn't have to run um, <laughs> thought, wow, you know, Kurt, um, how genuine he was, how he just made it so interesting, and uh, you can just tell from his soul he believes, and the love that he demonstrates. So we started coming here, same, I could, you know, copy-paste everything everyone already said about the community, right. um, but for me it was 
you know, he, God, through Kurt and the people here, really helped us grow our faith um, within this community. And through that, it's completely changed our lives. I mean, I can tell you, my husband is a completely different human being than he was um, two years ago. And hopefully he'll watch this, and he would agree. Um, and no, and this does, uh, that sounded really bad. No, <laughs> in a really great way. Sure. I mean, he is just, yeah. I, every day and I'm like, wow, like you are just amazing, the things that he does and the heart he has for God and others. And so I feel like for me, God brought me here to really learn that a church can be a really loving place that's not judgmental where hmm. you where I was able to learn how to talk about God with others outside the church in a way that's I don't feel like I'm trying to sell my church or sell God or in a very comfortable vulnerable way the way that this community operates and from that I've been able to go and you know God directing me speak to people that don't believe and I've been able to influence them right and I've been able to help so many people through that mm -hmm. and so I kind of feel like God brought me here so I can be an evangelist mm -hmm. um, but you can't do that without the support of an awesome community so I guess it all ties right. in so it's yeah. creating that story outside of the community as That's well right. That's right. thank you Adam, do you have your own mic back there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, that's, I travel with my own. It's easier that way. <laughs> uh, so next month marks 12 years for me here, which is crazy. Um, mm -hmm. Because I've, to keep you from leaving, I've tried to do it a lot. And I don't know why I can come <laughs> back. But I think God brought me here because I came from large corporate church environments that Kurt often talks about. And each one I was at, I just got burned. And so when he brought me here, um, I had people that took chances on me when I was hurting, you know, I, like Josh and Justine, you know, like huge mentors where I just needed someone to give me a chance and they gave me one, you know, a wife that showed me what love is again, you know, a church family that showed me what, what a family is, not a corporate church. Mm. And I think what's so unique about Lake Sam, to me at least, is we're a body of people that are just doing life together mm. and, and, and Christianity together. And I can't think of another church where the pastor is like, I'm out, someone preach. Or come up and I'm going to give you a mic and let you say something during worship. Or, yes. you know, yes. you play, let's try having you be a worship leader. You know, like I just, that, that doesn't exist. I think we would get laughed at, mm. you know, at, from these mega churches where professionals mm. do it and you just sit there and write your check and sing a song and leave. And it's so unique that God is, has given us the opportunity to learn what ministry is mm. and and actually be in that role. And I think, I can't imagine not being here, like when it has gotten tough and I've been like, I'm out. You know, like, I feel like my heart goes, but where would, what would I do, where would I go? I, you know what I mean? Like, it, yes. you need that family aspect yes. of it. That's exactly right. All right, Kimberly, you wanna wrap this up? Hi, um, my daughter, uh, our daughter brought us here. Amber, she's not here today, she's traveling. Um, and I, uh, we, we've been over here over 15 years. I got my pin, so you can look forward to yours. And I just, uh, the thing I, I can't express enough is this has changed me. Um, that when your longtime friends and your, uh, not so much your family, they, they have a little hard time seeing that, but certainly my longtime friends have been able to look at me and go, you are so different. And... No, I, I couldn't hear a better compliment um, to say that I am not the same person even from what, what I was a year ago. Mm. And I just, as I look at all of you and, and um, pray for you, it's something I love to do, that I learned how to love that here. And I learned how to love the word here. And I just, I can't, um, for you, for those of you who are just coming in the door, I can't wait to hear your story about how this family will change you. Mm. Wow. Thank you. So, like Sam is on a journey together, 
and we have moments that we enter into together. Thank you for entering into this moment this morning. And God has given us a purpose, and I think we really heard the purpose loud and clear. The purpose is to be a family. You know, going back to our controlling scripture, one with another, and or one with God and one another, that the world may know. And Kurt, when we were reviewing the, the slide deck and doing the preach call, he said, hey, um, you might consider when you write out that statement in the slide, put the, the ellipsis, you know, the dot, 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 between the one with another and, and that the world may know, because he said that kind of conveys to me this idea that the, the world knowing who I am is simply a natural consequence of us being one with God and one with another. We should be the kind of community that people look at us and go, wow, I want to be a part of that. What makes you guys so powerful, so strong together? And we could say, well, that's because we have God, because we have the spirit flowing through us that gives us love for one another. So thank you for participating. Uh, next week, we'll find out. But I expect that it's probably going to be something about family because that's, that's definitely what uh, God put on our hearts this morning and what we've been speaking about. So we're going to go ahead and do communion. So you can reach down in front of you. We do communion every week. And it can be a little rote, you know, just something that you do, you don't really think about it, you're just on automatic pilot. But this morning, I want you to think of doing this together. This is not just something that you're doing by yourself. We are doing it together as a symbol of our unity, the symbol of something that we believe in together. So we have Christ's body, the bread, is a symbol of what he did for us to be broken. So like we do, you can reach down there and break it, hear that snap all across the room. His body was broken for you and you and you individually, but it was broken for us. He wanted this to happen. Take this and remember what he did. And then the symbol of his blood that was shed for us. And it was to make us clean because in our broken state, it is hard to be a family. It's hard to love. It's hard to extend ourselves out. But his blood can wash us clean and get rid of that stuff that keeps us apart, that drives wedges and fractures us and puts a stain on our relationships. So we are now clean and we can interact with each other and love each other in that, uh, in that state of love. Take this and remember what he did for us.